confess some false promises this morning, at least for the Celtic service I said on Facebook, come to our toasty warm cafe. And it, it wasn't quite as toasty warm as I thought. So, um, he, he, here's what happened. So, the electricians were in Friday because we've been, we've been going so far all winter with uh, what I believe the electricians described as a furnace that was working at a half-assed capacity. I think that was the technical term that they used. Um, so, um, didn't think that was going to be good enough for the weekend, so called them in and said, please, like, you restore it to its, to its fullness, and they did Friday, which was good timing. And then I didn't trust it, so I actually came twice during the middle of the wind and checked it out, and everything was perfect. Then the furnace was hotter, and it was working more efficiently, and all of those kind of things. And then today, it looks like it's back to half-assed, so I don't know what's going on. Um, but um, anyway, warm enough. And we're warm in our hearts. That wasn't that warm in our hearts wasn't good enough for this weekend, though. I hope you, hope you did better than that. And then I was thinking this morning, um, boy, after those songs and uh, reading Isaiah 58 and that, and that book, who needs to talk, right? But, uh, but I'm going to give you one anyway. That's what we do. But this its talk is just like the scaredy squirrel for, for grown-ups. So, yeah, it's kind of, kind of like that. So the last couple days have been good to appreciate having a home. Even if we had to get up in the middle of the night to put wood in a wood stove or do creative things to keep our pipes from freezing. Some of us had to do creative things to keep pipes from freezing, I don't know what. I think most of us wanted to stay put and stay warm. So on Friday I started to write out a, a different talk that I'd been thinking about for a couple of weeks, but then yesterday I scrapped that and started again, which is pretty normal for me, because the trouble is if I think about something for a couple of weeks I get bored with the idea before I start. And then, um, plus I also realized I just keep feeling like I want to say the same things. And so this felt like the, what I originally planned felt like it was too similar to things I'd said before. So I started again and thought deliberately of something that felt more uh, personally challenging. So what I want to talk about today is Matthew 8, verse 20, in which Jesus says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the human one has nowhere to lay his head. You may have heard that said, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, but um, I take my cues from one of my favorite New Testament scholars, Walter Wink, um, who says that, uh, that that gives the wrong connotation and just to say the human being is, uh, is better for what, um, what Matthew's getting at there. So let me, you probably can't read that, but if you want to have the, the passage that I'm going to talk about, there it is. I'm not going to do a lot of slide. Uh, PowerPoints today, just just really the text. So let's start by taking a, a, a look at this intriguing little sentence by backing up and seeing the context of it. And only part of the context is going to be in that larger passage that you can see behind me. Um, then I'm going to refer a little bit to the context even uh, in a greater way before and after that. So. So here's reading what's on the screen right now. Now when Jesus saw great crowds surrounding him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. A scribe then approached and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, 
but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So let's go back and, and uh, explore a little bit broader context even in terms of what's going on here. So first of all, before this all happened, uh, Jesus was just doing a whole bunch of healings. So that's the context of Matthew 8 as it starts. Then Jesus was heading away from the great crowds that surrounded him. Mega crowds, that's what it says in the Greek. Well, it doesn't say mega crowds, it says mega and then the word for crowds, whatever that is. Um, I point that out because later on it's going to talk about a mega storm. And I think it's not entirely maybe a coincidence that it's the same word. So, Jesus was surrounded by great crowds, wanted to split. He was heading to the other side, literally of the lake. But one could think of what he wanted to get to the other side of, in more metaphorical ways. Then there was an offer from a would-be disciple. Sometimes Jesus fields questions that are traps. This one looks like just a straightforward offer made by someone who wanted to be a disciple, a follower. And he says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus responds with this line, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the human one has nowhere to lay his head. So basically, it seems like he's saying this is what to expect if you want to do this. Then he goes on to say something which seems like a similar parallel kind of thing. Another uh, would-be follower, another wannabe comes and says, uh, just let me go bury my father first. And he says, let the dead bury their own dead. Then still heading, remember, still away from the crowds, getting to the other side, jumps in a boat. A bunch of others jump in with him. They go on the boat, they have a great big storm. This is the mega seismos. That's what the Greek is on that one. Big storm. Big wind storm. Up to 70 kilometers an hour this weekend. Did you know that? Gusts were up to 70 kilometers. That's why it was so nasty. And in the midst of that storm, they wake Jesus up. This is the time where he says, why are you still afraid, you of little faith? And he calms the sea. They get to the other side, just like he intended all along. And on the other side is great peace and stillness forevermore. You know what's on the other side? The, the Gadarene man who was full of a legion of, of demons. Okay, so that's the context of this little passage. But mostly we're going to focus on that little passage in the middle. So, after a bunch of healings, Jesus is surrounded by this great crowd who wants to get away to the other side. Is he just saying, let's get out of here, this is too much for me? That would be fair enough. Or is there an emphasis on let's go to a different place? Let's go somewhere new? Maybe. But we'll just leave those kind of questions lying in the background. But then on the way to getting away from the crowd to a new place, someone comes up to him and says, Teacher, I'll follow you anywhere. We really don't have any clue how Jesus feels about this. Jesus' answer could be encouraging or discouraging depending on who the wannabe is, what kind of personality that, that would-be follower has, 
whether they're up for adventure or not, whether they're a scaredy squirrel. Either way, it gives great insight into Jesus. Remember, this is tired out from the crowd heading to a new place, Jesus. And he says, man, I gotta tell you, I don't even have anywhere to call home. Are you okay to live like this? And then of course, after smacking down a sense of home, in the next parallel part, he replies to another wannabe and smacks down family ties. Stick with me and you don't get to put home or kinship first. You've gotta loosen your grip in order to be a follower of mine. So here's the problem, I really, really like home. I don't know, I know there are some of you like me that the one bright spot of COVID was lots of home. Uh, and that actually felt pretty good for a lot of that time. I like having a place to lay my head. I like getting away from the crowd to my own living room, my kitchen table. Why does Jesus want to question these good things? Maybe because they're good, but they're not all good. Scaredy squirrel. Every day, right? 9.45, look at the view. In our language, that means Netflix. <laughs> so what's the dark side of home? Well, let's take a look at some of the ideas that might be connected to home and see whether they can be problematic. For example, maybe home is the place where I feel like I'm in control, where I feel like I'm in charge. Maybe we have to share that with a partner. Maybe home is the place where I feel certain about things. Maybe home is where I hoard the things that I gather around me and my family after I go out and compete with others. Do you know how much violence and injustice have been done in the world because I have to put my home and family first? I have to compete and overwork. I have to exploit the poor. I have to extract and harm the earth so that I have enough for me and my family. I have to fight against people with ideas that I don't like to protect my family. Do you know how normal it's been throughout humanity to kill people in order to keep other people's ideas from having influence? It's crazy. There are still people dying all over the world because people disagree with their economics or their lifestyle or their beliefs. And we have to protect our home, our familiar certainties, the places where we're in control. So home has its dark side. I was wondering if you wanted to help me out with thinking about any more, any more dark sides to home that we have to be careful about? Too comfortable. Too comfortable. Sometimes too comfortable is not good. Yeah. Yeah, Peter? Boring. <laughs> too boring. Yeah, too Just boring. looking at the view, eating and not. <laughs> yeah, boring. Boring. Yeah. yeah. Too separated from other people? Yeah. Did, was there another one? Loneliness. Yeah. Easy to get into some bad habits at home. Easy to get stuck in some bad habits. <laughs> Jesus says to the wannabe, sorry, I'm tired out. I'd love to have a place to lay my head. But 
don't always have that place to lay our head. We don't always get to rest in the kind of certainties or familiarities or behind any walls that we might choose. The reality is that we're unhoused and vulnerable. If you want to see how vulnerable, Jesus says, step aboard this little boat and let's go to a new place. So they do. Maybe even the new guy jumps into the boat too. Then they're out on the water and Jesus is asleep. Remember, he didn't have anywhere to lay his head, so he's got to take his sleep where he can get it. On a boat in a windstorm. Seemed like he was doing okay. Somehow, in spite of the storm. But the windstorm comes up. This is that mega seismos I was talking about, which means a great wind that's threatening to turn the whole world upside down. Or at least the boat. The disciples panic, wake Jesus up. Hey, you who just healed a bunch of people, save us. And Jesus, full of gentle empathy, actually more like super tired and not happy about being woken up, says, hey, you cowardly faith babies. Hey, you scaredy squirrels. Cowardly faith babies is, by the way, literal translation from the Greek. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. That's it. That's what it says. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, whoa, Jesus, chill out. Be nice to these guys who think they're going to die. Isn't that worth being woken up for? But remember that the story is being told with at least two layers. He's not just telling the literal story of what happened on the lake. Matthew is recounting a dramatic event to help teach Jesus' lesson to his readers. And then remember that Jesus is always trying to teach his followers that they can do stuff too, not just him. It's not about Jesus' personal magic. And then remember... This is an interesting thought to think of. Remember that these guys are a bunch of seasoned fishermen mm -hmm. who've been out in the lake hundreds of times more than Jesus. He's just a carpenter. They've survived all kinds of storms. They've done this over and over and over again. Why are they doing this now? What are they asking him for? Calm your own storm, followers. That's what Jesus seems to be saying. Have some courage and trust even in a storm, that's where the magic is, in the courage and the trust. So most of us are more sheltered than the unhoused folks in St. Stephen that have suddenly been more visible this past year. Lots of people here, lots of people here this morning even, and friends of ours have been involved in working hard to help protect the unhoused through this winter. And I certainly hope that they were all somewhere warm this weekend. I think in situations like this, we help because we recognize that we're all vulnerable humans. We recognize a certain shared vulnerability in our humanity. Or else, I think for some, we, we don't help because we don't want to face the truth that that's true. And I think that's one of the reasons why people separate themselves. But even those of us with warm homes are still unsheltered at a deeper level. This is not a world of certainties, of being in control. That kind of home is not on offer. The more we try to hoard and compete and pretend that we can make everything safe and secure, the less human it gets for everyone. Jesus is trying to tell us that at the foundation of things, the only real home is to live with trust and vulnerable love. We need to be ready to leave home, to head into the unknown, just like this world.
can fly. Our lives will get shaken up more often than we usually want. If you heard the announcement about SSU's BA program uh, being suspended at the end of this semester, I'm sure most of you probably heard that already. Then you know that some of us are particularly feeling this right now. Things are not as settled as they sometimes have felt. But for all of us, our guarantees are few. Our situations are fragile. There are storms, wind storms, 45 degree wind chills, mega storms. Can we live with courage and trust and love anyways? When there are no guarantees of safety and security and control and certainty, can we help each other do that? I think that's the offer Jesus made to the wannabe. If that's the adventure that you're ready for, get on board. So, just before, um, in a minute to wrap up, I want to read the prayer of St. Brendan together. Uh, seems like a pretty fitting prayer to what I'm talking about this morning. But I just wanted to share a few ideas uh, with all of us. What are some of the benefits of leaving home in the way that Jesus is talking about? What are some of the benefits of realizing you can fly like the scaredy squirrel? What, what do we gain by risking these things, by living vulnerably with courage, with trust? New perspective. Gain some new perspectives. Yeah. I think you see the similarities in other people's homes or non-homes or the differences in that a new perspective. Other people get to see you. And maybe even different you. <coughs> you might even get to see you. Yeah, you might even get to see a different you. The squirrel didn't even realize that it was a flying squirrel. So there's new things that we learn, new perspectives that we gain. There's old constraints, which might have been familiar, but not very life-giving, that we can get rid of. We can get unstuck. So let's wrap up with saying the prayer of St. Brendan together. A good example of someone who didn't have anywhere to lay his head. So if you want to join with me in, in reading this prayer, you're very welcome to do that. Help me to journey beyond the familiar and into the unknown. Give me the faith to leave old ways and break fresh ground with you. Christ of the mysteries, I trust you to be stronger than each storm within me. I will trust in the darkness and know that my times, even now, are in your hand. Tune my spirit to the music of heaven and somehow make my obedience count for you. Amen. All right. May you not have megastorms for a long while. Go in peace. <laughs>